Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. Portfolio construction and risk management are tasks that take you away from where you need to be, building relationships with your clients. Aberdeen Standard Investments can support you by creating bespoke investment solutions. Outsourcing portfolio and risk management creates efficiencies, enabling you to focus on fulfilling the ambitions of both your clients and your business. This podcast is being prepared with cares based on sources believed to be reliable and all opinions expressed are honestly held at the applicable date. However, it is general information only and we accept no liability for any errors or omissions. Just be prepared without taking into account the particular objectives, financial situation or needs of any investor. Investing involves risk, including the risk of losing capital. It's important that before acting, investors should consider the their own circumstances, objectives, and financial situation. The information's appropriateness to them and consult financial and tax advisors. Investors should consider the PDS available at AberdeenStandard.com before making an investment decision. Products issued by Aberdeen Standard Investments Australia Limited, ABM 59002123364, AFSL number 204263. Welcome back to another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. I'm your host, Fraser Jack, and today I am joined by one of my favorite humans in the world, Michael Back. Oh, very kind words. Thank you, Fraser. It is lovely to be back. I always get really energized after I've been talking to you. We seem to have these conversations that sort of go into weird and wonderful places, but it's always really positive and and uh, and and has great outcomes as to yeah that's a great idea I want to check that out. Very nice of you to say. No, I um, yeah I think I uh, all the podcasts that I really love listening to are more conversational than uh, I suppose prescriptive or like just kind of question answer question answer. So I always love talking to you in this format because um, it feels very natural and yeah hopefully it. it um, Hopefully that comes across to the people listening as well. Uh, now, very, very good. Now, for those that don't know you, you've got uh, a business where you help um, financial planners and planning practices, essentially, you know, coaching slash uh, ideas, getting stuff done, all those all those great and amazing things. Um, and I'm sure I haven't uh, done it any sort of justice by describing it that way, but I'm sure we'll get to how you help um, people along the way. But today we want to talk about scale and, and business, and you know, scaling business through the idea of, you know, scale doesn't actually happen until things are implemented. And often mm-hmm. uh, um, and often things are great ideas, but just sitting as ideas, they don't necessarily make a difference. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I suppose when I started my coaching business, um, having seen a lot of coaching businesses and being part of them in my life, um, I'd seen a very heavy focus towards ideas. And, you know, some of the the businesses that I witnessed just had the best ideas in the world, but it always really frustrated me that uh, there wasn't really a clear path to implementation. And so, you know, you'd see people leave um, an event or some sort of a workshop and they're all jacked and buzzed and, you know, screaming from the rooftops and they'd run back to their team and be like, oh my gosh, I heard the most amazing things. We've got so much that we need to do. And then two weeks later when you go, oh, how are you going with that stuff? They'd be like, ah, yeah, look, we've been a bit busy. I will get onto it. And then two weeks after that, it's like, oh, no, it kind of, yeah, go to another workshop next week or go to another event. Oh, no, I reckon it's going to be better than that one. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, when I started my business, I was very adamant that I wasn't in the ideas game. I was in the implementation game. Um, the way that I chose to solve that initially was to actually help deliver the implementation to clients. Uh, which has worked really well. Uh, I've been very challenged by that model at times, though, because I have seen situations where businesses have got the same results for their clients without doing all of the doing and creating an environment and a community where people feel more responsibility and accountability to implementing. And so I'm starting to bring a lot more elements of that into what I'm doing. Uh, But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, ideas of uh, show and the implementation is for dough, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I think any little one percenter that you can take that helps you implement more, uh, if you compound that over a long period of time, it's almost going to guarantee you're going to be far more successful than had you not have adopted it. So yeah, it's, it is the challenging bit. It is the hardest bit for anyone in any business to nail, uh, but any progress you can make uh, is worth fighting for. 
Yeah, I like the I like the fact that you did go into the implementation phase or, or part of the process with um, the people that you're looking after. It's obviously to me, it's a bit like the um, the, the chef that started washing dishes. You know that you know knows not to make a mess because someone's going to mm. clean it up, or, or just knows that if you're just suggesting or recommending something, how much work is involved in that actually mm. to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think I've learned so much about how to implement better through being like an active rather than a passive participant in that process. Um, but, you know, it's it's similar to advice that I give all of my clients when they bring on a new team member because, uh, you know, my business is really all about lifting the client experience of advisors. And, um, you know, the advice I always give to them when they've got a new team member is if they don't have a financial advisor, take them through your process and become their financial advisor. If they do have a financial advisor, at least take them through the first few steps in your process so they can empathize with what they are delivering. So they can be on the receiving end of it. And I think any time in your business where you can be on the receiving end of something, you see things that you wouldn't ordinarily see if you're just talking about it or doing it. Um, So yeah, the more you can get immersed in something in general, I think it gives you a new perspective and gives you new ideas for how you're going to improve it. So I think that's absolutely critical. It's also a good idea for not just for the new staff member to go through that, but for the, I guess, the business business owner to get some really constructive feedback on how they can make things a little bit better. Yeah, that's it. Those fresh eyes are um, just just so valuable. You know, that well, once we've been in any business for six months, we kind of have all drunk the same Kool-Aid. But at that starting point, people see things that the rest of you can't see. So yeah, I think you know, I've taken a little bit of a detour, but I think um, building that empathy and, and having as many fresh eyes on what you're doing through not just looking at it and reading stuff and watching a loom video on the process, but actually being in the middle of the process, um, it adds so much um, dimension to what they're experiencing. Yeah. Now, now let's let's chunk back up a little bit because I, I want to go back to this conversation around the idea of um, you know, seeing things at a conference or or a workshop and 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 the and the shiny object syndrome that mm. we, um, we all uh, you know get distracted by stuff all the time. Uh, quite mm. quite often, there's there's great ideas, there's those shiny objects, and um, there's a lot of them, and there is a you know fire hose of more coming down the, the track all the time, especially when you love technology as we do. Um, mm. It's about how you then can work out or manage that that concept of, of shiny object syndrome, and then how you can work out to what to prioritize. Mm, yeah, look, there's a there's a a lot to that question. Um, to kind of bring it into like a, a central focus, I'll um, I'll tell a story about when I was a kid. Um, so I was one of those. Uh, you know, I've heard of people who get to a point where they're like 15 and they realize that they're not going to be a professional sports person. So they decide that they're going to be the funny one. Um, I probably worked out I wasn't going to be a professional sports person when I was about five. Uh, I was just always like really challenged at anything athletic. Uh, But I started playing cricket and um, I went to cricket training one day and I came back home and I was in tears uh, because I'd I'd got a new nickname, uh, which was Duck. And for those of you who know cricket, you know why I got that nickname. But for those of you who don't, it's because um, I couldn't swing a bat to save my life. And, uh, yeah, basically I just got out first ball every time. And uh, it was, yeah, it was really starting to eat me up. And fortunately now, back in the day, I would say, unfortunately, my dad was a management consultant. And so anytime I had a problem, he always attacked it from a really, like, corporatized, kind of like a businessy way. Uh, you know, a little bit wanky, but uh, all, like in retrospect, you look at the this, this stuff and it was like IP and you're like, that stuff's so valuable. And I do use it with all of my clients now, um, you know, hope, hopefully that's not breaching any sort of copyright. But uh, he sat me down when I was crying and said, look, mate, I'm going to introduce you to the success triangle. And the success triangle says in order to achieve anything you want to in life, you need three things. You need to be clear, you need to be capable, and you need to be motivated. So clear means you've got to know what you want and you've got to know the steps that are involved in getting there. And then capable means you need the skill and the time to achieve it. Um, And you've got to be motivated. You've got to want to do it. Um, So he then kind of ran me through the triangle and said, so are you motivated? I'm like, yeah, I've never been more motivated. Like, I don't want my nickname to be duck. Um, So yes, I'm motivated. He's like, okay, cool. Are you clear? And I'm like, well, I know how to hold a bat, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really have a process for what I do when the bowler's running towards me. He's like, okay, so we need a bit of clarity. He's like, what about capability? 
And he didn't even let me answer. He's like, okay, no, I think we all know that that's probably a challenge. So why don't I get you some training? And so he sent me to um, the Kingsgrove Cricket Academy for some batting training with a man by the name of Hamish Solomons. I still remember the name because of the torturous period that that was. Um, and after about two or three lessons, I worked out that while I did have a clarity and a capability problem, motivation was actually my biggest issue because I didn't care enough about cricket. I didn't really want to be that good at cricket. I just didn't want to be called duck anymore. So it's probably easier for me to just stop playing cricket and then I'd never get called duck again. But um, that principle around or those principles around in order to achieve anything, you need to be clear, you've got to be capable, you've got to be motivated. There is a wisdom in that that I have used with dozens of businesses over the years with great success. And so I think in terms of answering your question, um, I think that's going to be a really good frame up for, I suppose, how I believe businesses need to implement uh, more effectively. But before you get into that, because that's kind of the nitty gritty, uh, I really think that there are three things that if you don't have them, it's not even worth starting to implement something. Um, and we were talking about this before the recording started, but I think having, call it a North Star, call it a vision, call it a towards state, something that is highly desirable for you, it has to start there. And this is where instead of saying, oh, I should do something, it's when you move into the territory saying, I want to do something. And I can't tell you how many times people have you know, seen that their mates are doing something in their business and they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I should start doing that. And they'll do it for two or three weeks, but because it doesn't have that bigger context or that like real drive towards something which people really want, uh, at the end of the day, nothing gets implemented and it's just been a big waste of time and energy. So I think before anything else, if you want to implement something, you've got to link it to something bigger, more exciting that isn't, you know, if, it, it, it could be about business growth, but if you don't want to grow your business, if you don't want more money, that thing isn't going to motivate you. So you're really behind the eight ball unless you've got something that excites the absolute hell out of you that you can attach the implementation to. Yeah, this is a really interesting point and, and a clear example of the way that you phrased your motivation in that story around not wanting something. You know, that, mm. that negative in a way, I don't want to be called dark. It's a, it's a negative away. Yeah rather than I want to be this thing and ha achieve this outcome. Um, and really good point about the shoulda, coulda, and want to, and those sorts of things, not just start, but actually mm. achieve the outcome and focus on mm. that milestone of it's now in place, it's doing its job, it's working. Uh, and, you know, all those other things, those obstacles in the way, they were nothing because I was on a mission to solve mm. the thing and to get to this, this end point. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm, I kind of alluded to this at the start that implementation is hard. And so any little edge that you can get to make it easier, you need to take it. Uh, I'd say having a, a vision or something in the future that you want, it isn't a small thing. It is a huge thing. If you don't have that, um, you're almost guaranteed to set yourself up for failure. So that would be one of the first things. Um, the second thing I think, well, sorry, go, mate. I was just going to interrupt. It's kind of... Um having that North Star that, you know, why that's, that then determines, I guess, it, all of the strategies that come underneath that, right? You know, mm. like saying, I want to have this outcome, this thing, all the other things that I'm going to, all the decisions I'm going to make from here on, strategic decisions are based on that one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we'll move on to this probably when we talk about being clear, but um, often saying yes to something requires you saying no to a lot of other things. Uh, and, you know, it's easy to say yes, but when you have that North Star, you can actually start ruling out ideas. And that doesn't mean it's not a good idea, it means it's a great idea that's currently mistimed and in the future might be perfectly timed. Uh, and, you know, I dare say that most shiny objects aren't terrible ideas. I mean, every now and then, I'll hear something from a business owner. I'm like, wow, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty wacky idea. How do I politely tell you I'm, I don't really think it's going to work? That, that's very rare. Most of the time people come to me with an idea, I go, it's an absolutely awesome idea. Um, based on what you want in the next six months or the next three months, I don't think this is the best time for us to be talking about that idea. Uh, but one thing I, I do think is really important, and particularly for those of you listening out there who aren't in, I suppose, entrepreneurial positions in your business. Often when someone is that entrepreneurial mindset, being distracted by shiny objects is kind of part of their genius as well. 
now, changing the entire business's direction and putting all this time and energy into it, that's a different story. But if you kill that part of an entrepreneur's brain that sees shiny objects and gets excited by them, you're kind of killing part of the magic that makes them who they are. And so what I've found through my coaching is often when I get a shiny object thrown at me, I'll say, you know, that's, a, that's actually a really good idea. I've seen this work in other businesses. Based on where we're at now, we probably need to do this first. But I reckon in three months' time, let's come back to that idea and then assess whether it's good. And you can just see in the person's eyes who shared it that that's kind of like mission accomplished for them. They don't need to see it implemented. They just need to know that that idea is not going to disappear, that it still exists. And I think you know the interesting thing is all those shiny objects do end up kind of gluing together and, and forming part of a vision. So if you're in a business that has an evolving vision and wants to change things, you need those shiny objects and those external stimulus to kind of stress test what you're working towards and seeing if it's on track or not. Um, but, you know, if you're someone in your business who just gets, you know, you're the entrepreneurial thinker, you got all the ideas and you're getting shut down all the time. I think it's important that people, you know, you have some mechanism in your business where you can document that stuff just so it's there. Um, and, you know, to me, it's it, the analogy I like to use. It's, it's like when you want to get a tattoo and the classic advice is, look, draw it on a bit of paper, put it in a drawer, then in three months' time, pull it out. And if you still want to get that tattoo, it's probably a good idea. Most of the time you pull it out and go, ah, you know what, I probably don't need that. I can live without that tattoo. So, But as long as you're drawing it and putting it in the drawer, that's the main thing, particularly when it comes to a shiny object. But um, I think it's... In- I thought you were going to say then that, you know, get a Sharpie and draw it on yourself and then see how much you like it. I think that would make you want it more, wouldn't it? (laughs) I don't know. It depends if you're a good drawer or not. Yeah. But, yeah, so, and and I mean, it, it probably is a good time to then introduce this concept, which is that if you don't have a mechanism through which you have a clear view of what your priorities are, Um, and what your priorities aren't, it is very hard for your team to be able to filter things in and out as well. Um, So before we get into that mechanism and, and structure, I know, I know um, you're very good at, um, I kind of, I kind of also just want to throw the idea in there that that there's sort of, to me, the three parts are the the heart, the head and the hands. Mm. You know, we'd mentioned the idea of having a North star and wanting to do this thing because it's, congruent with our values and that's the outcomes we want. Um, I feel like we're getting into the now going to be talking about the idea of around the head, the practical, you know, the, the numbers, the, whether they work, mm. frameworks, um, all those things that we'd be looking at when we're planning something out. And then we'll probably get onto the idea of the hands, which is the actual implementation part. Mm. I like that as a framework. Part. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's um, the, the heart, it can be quite a black and white business outcome you're trying to achieve. So, you know, I, I, when I run through business planning, usually like 95% of the time, the targets that we're shooting towards will fit into one of three categories. The one would be business growth. So that's all about revenue, profit, leads, conversions. Uh, the other one would be client experience. So really that's about um, retention, surprise and delight, happy happy clients who are going to build our business for us. And then the third one is very much around the back office. And so these are largely the three areas that businesses tend to have pain in that they want to achieve. But I suppose when I when people think of vision and when they think of North Stars and stuff like that, it, it always, you know, has this kind of grandiose feel that, you know, sometimes takes it away from the practicalities of business. You know, we want to impact 1 million people in 10 years. Like that stuff's great. That That is a really great North Star. But there's nothing wrong with having a North Star or a vision or a, a direction for what you're trying to do, which is we just want a really efficient back office. I want to be able to go away for two weeks on holiday and not have to worry about the business. I want to know that anyone in my team can go away for six weeks and the business could still operate. So that doesn't have that same heart, like that same, oh, my God, like, what a grand vision. I, I'm going to jump on the bloody TED stage and present that as an idea for people. Um, but that's just as noble a vision for your business as anything else. So um, it doesn't, it, whatever you want to achieve in your business, it's really just about having a clear vision of what that is. And can you have all three at once? You can. So do you mean uh, you know, grow your business, great client experience, yeah, yeah. great back office? Have some clear vision around your growth, have some clear vision about your client experience and have some clear vision around your back office efficiencies. 
I think you can. Uh, it would reflect, so a situation where you had all of those imbalance would reflect a consistent period of time where you'd focused on them. And I think of the analogy of spinning plates. Um, if you think of the old circus performer, spinning plates and one slows down, you've got to keep spinning, spinning it. You can have periods in that where you go, actually, I can rest for five seconds because all of these plates are spinning pretty well right now. Um, as a business grows, though, you know, it's like new, new level, new devil. Uh, there was an advisor that I once worked with who said, I never want to stop having problems. I just want the problems to get more interesting every year. And I absolutely love that as a quote that I think sometimes, you know, like we all sit in our seat and go, oh, once this SOA is out of the way, then I'll be happy. Or oh, once I've finished that presentation, I'm going to be so relaxed. I'm going to be the best husband in the world. And then by the time that presentation comes along, you've got your next one lined up. And I mean, that's life. That's the journey of life. So I think you need to get comfortable with the fact that there's always going to be something to improve. Uh, even if you just think of something as simple as the client experience, uh, and I talk about this a lot, that if your client's expectations are here and then you raise the bar and all of a sudden you've, you've exceeded their expectations, what happens the next year? Their expectations are here. So you've got to Absolutely. care. So, you know, there's plenty of room to sit down. Uh, sorry, there's plenty of room at the top but there's no room to sit down, you know, there's, you can't be complacent. So I don't think you'll ever get to a situation where everything's in balance. Back to your question though, about could you have a situation where you're focused on all three? You could, but I would always recommend focusing as narrowly as possible when it comes to implementing. Um, I read a really great book many years ago called Essentialism, uh, which, you know, the subtext of it uh, was, the, the disciplined pursuit of less. And they presented a real, I've never actually looked into it, but let's just assume it's true. Said that the, the word priority never had a plural until like the 70s. Like before the 70s, there was no documented evidence of the word priorities existing. And in our crazy, chaotic, um, overstimulated lives, we've just all of a sudden decided that you can have more than one priority. Uh, because the, the definition of priority is, you know, sole focus without any other. So by its definition, you can't have more than one. Um, I would say that the best implementers that I work with narrow their focus and they're not looking to shoot the lights out. They would far prefer to be small, like tackle something small, but do it in a meaningful and disciplined way rather than tackle a lot of things and, you know, become that renovator who has, a bunch of home handyman projects that are 80% done, but none of them ever get finished. So I think you can have focus on all three areas. Um, and there are other areas like team culture and, you know, if you're acquiring another business and things like that, like there's, there's a whole bunch of things you could bring into that. But I think you could have focus in multiple areas if different people were responsible for different areas. But that's when we're moving into probably a, a bigger team. But if you're quite a small team with very limited resources, I would advise against that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, that, that, that priority story is a really great one. It uh, resonated with me on the idea of, you know, when you are a small team um, and just, you know, I mentioned before growth, you know, client experience and back office of three areas. Mm. Um, mm. And the idea of maybe coming to my mind about doing sprints around, right, for the next three months, we're just doing back office, right? You know, yeah. Are we, yes, we know we need to do the other ones, but they're just not now. Yes. We're, we're going to nail this outcome first we're going to get to this finish line we're going to test and you know test and improve whatever and then after that when it's all running smoothly we'll move on to the next one yes i, I was working with the guys at um advice revolution um, shout out to adrian and sean and uh, i ran my classic business planning process with them now this was a couple of years ago when they were very much startup mode um, had an idea that they wanted to build and bring to market and ran my business plan process. And it was a, it was a great process. And we came up with some great clarity and, and a really good sense of direction out the other end. Um, but what was interesting was I checked in with them six months later and they're like, do you know what? I, what we, we decided that what we're building, it, it's, there's so many different paths that this could take. Like there's so much of a lack of clarity over how this plays out that setting targets for three months or six months or 12 months is kind of futile because everything just changes so rapidly every two weeks. So what we decided instead was in rather than going through this process of trying to predict the future and then create it, we've just gone, what is the one thing we should be doing now? And then we do that. And then we look around and see what's happening. 
and then decide what the next thing is. And it's just a rinse and repeat process. And that really made me reflect because I do think for people who have had a, a, either a poor record of implementation, which wasn't these guys, or if they're in a situation where they're really starting their business, they don't know what's going to happen, that the variability of possibilities for where the business is in six months are so wild, you're probably better off not going down that path of business planning and instead just going, what's the one thing we should do now? And let's just have a two-week sprint and then we'll just rinse and repeat, which, you know, funnily enough, was how Carl Richards... Um, discussed financial advice on the XY on tour event in 2020, which was, you know, having some beautiful 30-year retirement plan is a noble pursuit. And then in three months' time, you throw it out because all of the underlying assumptions have changed. So that, that's kind of how he goes about financial advice. I think there's a real truth and a wisdom to that as well. Yeah, I, I relate to that story with the uh, with the you know, the map analogy. You know, a big paper map or a book of maps is is great, but um, what happens if you get off, get it off track or off the off the map? You know, you need the GPS to kick in and, and automatically recalculate where you're up to. Um, now, I rudely interrupted you earlier. We we're talking sort of about head structure around you know structures and ways of planning and creating businesses and you were going to sort of talk about some systems? Mm, yeah, so I use what's called the OKR system with my clients. Um, this is the way Google set and uh, manage their progress towards goals. Um, that makes it sound kind of boring, but the bit that excites me the most is it is business planning that can be done in half a day and involves all of your team members. So you're simultaneously drawing ideas from across your business uh, at the same time as uh, spreading the responsibility for implementation. So for businesses who are in that situation where the, the leaders of the business, everything falls on their shoulders and they tend to be the ones that are the busiest and then nothing gets done. It's a really great way of changing the culture of a business and going, I'm going to involve, involve you in understanding the numbers and where we are and where we want to be. Um, so I'm going to treat you like a business owner, but that means you need to start implementing as well. Now, um, I use the OKR system for that. I know a whole bunch of other variants. Um, there's like the Rockefeller habits, which is all about your rocks and your pebbles. And, you know, basically it, it's, it's a similar concept. But big rocks. Yes, that's right. Yes. And, you know, you have only certain big rocks you're focusing on for a set period of time. And then, you know, all of the actions, you know, feed into that. And then at the end of that period, you reassess what your rocks are. The, 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 the mechanism is irrelevant, but... If you don't have that mechanism in your business where you can constantly remind yourself of the North Star and constantly measure your progress towards it and align all the things that people are doing towards that clarity and that clear direction, you're going to find that you go off track. Um, so this is just as important for making sure you and everyone around you is accountable to implementing as it is to say no to things. So if we go back to your question around the shiny objects, if we've been through a process like that and we go, uh, you know, we've grown really significantly in the last 12 months and I think our client experience is struggling, I don't think we really want to grow for the next three months, but we really need to get back on track with making our client experience hum. Um, so that's, you know, combination of client experience and back office that we need to focus on to do that. That then means when Mrs. CEO comes back from a conference, has some wonderful idea about a social media strategy that's bringing in leads for one of her financial advice friends, you go, well, that's a great idea, but is it going to improve our current client experience? No. Is it going to improve our back office? No. Great idea. When we're ready to grow, let's pick that one back up. That's that's the tattoo that gets put in the drawer for three months. Yeah, fantastic. Now, for those who aren't across what OKR stands for, do you want to quickly explain that? Yeah, it stands for objectives and key results. So objectives are that exciting future vision. So um, if we were to talk about um, improving your back office, a very common phrase that would be a good objective for that would be, we want to become a well-oiled machine. So this is the idea of a desirable future state, which means something to the team. Uh, your key results are the way you measure it. So you might go, okay, well, the way we do that is we're going to reduce the time between our strategy meeting and our SOA presentation from five weeks to two weeks. Okay, cool. Well, that's already giving the team some clarity as to the types of actions and tweaks that they need to make in the back office in order to make that a reality. Um, and so they're your actions. So the three layers of the OKR system are exciting future vision. How are you going to measure whether you're getting closer or further from that vision? 
and what actions are going to help you move the needle on those measurements. Like I said, though, that's just one way of doing it. I love the Google. There's a, a guy in the States called Philippe Castro um, who has a fabulous free ebook on his website on the, the introduction to this system. So if you are interested in rolling this out yourself, I, I would highly recommend reading that book because Google have a certain way of doing it, but it, it's probably a bit more complex than it needs to be for small business. So yeah, really the idea is let's have a shared view of what's, what's important. Let's agree to how we're going to measure that in a, a way that pushes us as a team, uh, but it's realistic at the same time. It's not overly ambitious and demotivating. Um, and then we have some really clear actions, which we're going to spread across the team in order to feed back to that. Um, but I've seen a lot of wonderful OKR sessions, which, you know, particularly you know, that this business owners and senior team members often get involved in discussions like this, but for the junior back office, um, you know, other people in the team, often they don't get involved in conversations like this. So it can be an incredibly empowering moment for a team. Um, but we're back into the, you know, where we started around, you can have these great experiences and everyone's so pumped. And then all of a sudden, a month later, you're like, oh, yeah, we haven't really done much there. It's been busy. You know, we've been really busy. We've had a lot of clients. You know, a lot of, yeah, this has happened. Oh, it's review season. But there's all these excuses. And so that system is great. But if it doesn't have a really nice accountability measurement built in, yet you're almost guaranteed that it won't work. So you need to keep topping up the clarity, topping up the motivation over time uh, through you know, a, a meeting or a ritual in your team where you keep refocusing on it and reprioritizing things. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, thanks for going through that. Now, you mentioned team in this, and as you, as you said, something like this is a great structure to walk a team through. I, I, like, I like the, um, the saying, I think it's Simon Sinek, that says a team is not a group of people that work together. A team mm. is a group of people who trust each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this, this really just comes back to putting a structure or going through a process where you actually are focusing on the, the OKRs and, and the key results and the action mm. at the back of it. And I'm assuming key results also include timeframes or milestones for those yeah. key results and then allowing your team to come up with the, the, the action items that need to get us there. Is that, is that sort of the, yeah, idea that, about the team, that, building the team of trust? That's a hundred percent correct. And um, this magical thing happens, like some, some businesses who are really in the swing of this might do a fortnightly check-in, but usually I'd recommend a monthly one. So it's pretty, you, you know, rather than have this 90 day plan, just break it down to a month and go, what are, what are we doing over the next four weeks? Let's sprint at that. Often you will find that 90% of the work is done in the week or sometimes two or three days before that meeting. And that's okay. That's completely fine. Uh, we are, uh, highly emotional beings who struggle to find consistent motivation. There are some people who are amazing at that. You know, those people who go, I've been to the gym four times every week for the last seven years. I am not one of those people. Uh, but that, that, you know, sometimes people have to, you know, they need a deadline and they need that kind of fear of, I don't want to stand in front of my colleagues at this meeting and say, I haven't done anything. Uh, and sometimes that puts the fear of God into people and they, they implement what they said they were going to do in far less time than they thought it would take. And that's completely fine. I mean, I see this in all my coaching meetings. A lot of my clients do their bits in the day or the night before the meeting, but as long as things are getting done consistently, that's actually a perfectly fine way to implement. Hey, what do you, what do you think just um, going down a rabbit hole, the idea around milestones rather than deadlines? Is that, I mean, I know Uh, a deadline sort of creates this negative fear that you have to get it done. And fear is a very, very powerful motivator. Um, but what do you think about deadlines apart from um, deadlines changing to milestones? Now, I haven't used the term milestones before. Is there something fundamentally different about it or is it just giving it different language? It's, it's more, it's, it's towards, it's, it goes back to that motivation. Uh, is it a towards or away from motivation? Gotcha. I would, yeah, after you saying it that way, I think milestones are a much nicer, more exciting way. People talk about homework after a coaching meeting as well. And I think if you say, here's your projects, here's your action items, it has a little bit more enthusiasm than homework, which we have a negative connotation with. Um, so, yeah, I love the idea of milestones. I'd never thought about it that way before, but I think that's really cool. And I'm just thinking also from the, you know, the little bit of dopamine into the brain scenario that, you know, you can actually celebrate milestones. Mm. Um, but don't tend to celebrate deadlines. Yeah, that's it's exactly right. Yeah, you, you kind of hit a deadline, but you celebrate a milestone, right? 
Yeah, exactly right. Now, yeah. we're, uh, now I've got a bit of a tra- off track there. Um, take us back to the the hands part, like the actual doing part. We sort of mentioned it in the OKRs, the action items. Um, mm. Talk us through that concept because I, sometimes skill sets can be outside existing skill sets um, mm. that people aren't necessarily, they don't know how to build an online course or something. So they, mm. um, talk us through how you work with um, people in that way where you help them find ways of getting stuff done that they might not otherwise get done. Yeah. So this is where the clear, capable, motivated comes into play. Um, this overarching system that sits on top of everything is going to give you clarity, but it's not going to give you enough clarity. So there's two things that I think if I look at all the businesses that implement well and the ones who struggle, um, the ones who struggle acknowledge that emails are coming in, I've got meetings and my, my work life is pretty hectic, but when I'm not busy, then I'm going to find the time to do this important stuff. And that time never comes. Uh, so I think acknowledging how important client work is, client meetings, I mean, that they are what keep our business going, but also acknowledging that we can't be better for our clients. We can't grow the business. We can't resource up to make this business better for everyone unless we focus on the on the business stuff. Um, you need to honour the importance of on the business work by setting time aside for it. And uh, it sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised how few people do it. And I've seen variations of this that work for different businesses in different ways. So for some businesses, it's, okay, guys, every Thursday morning, we don't open email. Uh, We have someone who's answering the phone, but we are doing three hours of OKR stuff or we're doing three hours of important implementation stuff for the business. That is great. Um, Some people find, though, that the cadence of a week spirals out of control, that things are all calm and in control at the start of the week and then by Thursday and Friday, it's mayhem and they, they can always find an urgent excuse not to do it. So a lot of people I know do that on a Monday before the week gets the better of them. When they've got their maximum energy, they're not tired. They don't do that on a Monday. You've got to try a few different ways to see it works for you. But if you're not dedicating time to this stuff and even something as simple as there's a guy called Matt Church who um, talks about how the brain Um, impacts our performance and I saw him in a presentation once and he said that we have three hours of self-control a day uh, which astounded me but it is so true and this is why um, a lot of the time people go I'm going to go to the gym after work and then by the end of the day I'm so tired I'm just going to go home and grab a beer Um, so the, the things you do at the start of the day should you, you, if with your you've got your full self-control at the start of the day so you should deploy that towards things that are a little bit harder and more taxing because by the end of the day, you're not going to have the energy to do that. So ideally, if you could be focusing on this stuff earlier in the week and in the mornings rather than the afternoons, I think you're setting yourself up for success. But people work differently. Some people ease into the morning and they're a bit tired and then they they peak energies like 4 p.m. when the meetings are over and they've got this kind of oxygen. So play around with a few variants. But the two things that you've got to do, first one, you've got to set the time aside you need to your team to know that nothing gets booked here. You need to honor that time and not make excuses. You need to mentally commit to how important it is and therefore follow through on that. Um, but then the second most important thing is before you walk into that period of time, you need to very specifically know exactly what you're working on. So if you've had one of your meetings with your team and you go, cool, here's the five things that I'm going to be doing for the next month. I don't recommend going into that period of time where you're focusing on this going, cool. So I've got those five things. What am I going to do? I would go, I'm only going to focus on this one thing. And in fact, out of that one thing, I'm going to break it into 10 subtasks and I'm going to do these three. So the more specific you can be with exactly what you're trying to achieve during that session, the better a chance you'll achieve it. Oh, Becky, my mind was going so many places when you were saying that it's just so many great, great things. The willpower conversation, there's some great stuff on, you know, willpower and energy credits. We spoke to mm. back on you know, energy and understanding when is your time of day, um, understanding your hours of power, I guess you can call them. Yes. Uh, I really want to um, bring this back down to, you know, spending time on your business. And as you were talking, I was thinking about a conversation that you might also be having with a client around, uh, or somebody advisor might be having with a client around cash flow and budgeting, right? Because this, 
time, you know, organizing your time is classic budgeting, right? And so we, mm, often, mm. we often talk about the concept of, you know, budgeting, pay yourself first, you know, 50, 30, 20, put 50% on your bills, 30 on your spending and 20% saving, but pay yourself first, right? Take the first 20% of mm-hmm. what you earn and save that. And if you can do that, you know, that's, you, you know, you're on a winner, but this is probably the, exactly the same thing with budgeting your time, right? So you take the first 20% of, or, or allow 20% or, Look, that could be a day a week, it could be half a day a week, depending on what you're doing. But and focus that time then to say, this is the first part of my diary I fill out. Mm. This is the part I'm going to pay my pay myself first in that way, and then I'm going to spend you know maybe fifty percent with client facing time and Mm. percent on whatever requires me after that. You know, like using that that the bills and spending idea of budgeting on diary. I absolutely yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so so important and. You know, when we're talking about these types of things and really what we're talking about is we've all got a set amount of time, how are you going to make the most out of it, right? A lot of people look, you know, I think the whole software world is full of tools that help you do things more efficiently. Uh, I recently uh, started working with a business coach who said getting more efficient is one way of saving time, but it's far more effective to eliminate things. And the best way to you know, create this space where you can focus on this stuff is literally to like ruthlessly cull things from your list that someone else could do. And, you know, I I would say my entire life changed when I got more into this mindset of don't improve your weaknesses, just double down on your strengths and get someone else to plug your weaknesses. And so in your business, if there's 10 things that are getting in the way of you implementing, I think you've got to Sit, you know, sit down on your own or sit down with your ops manager and realistically go, do I actually have to do all of these 10 things or is there a way that someone else in the team or someone else uh, external to our team could be doing those things? So I think if you're in this stage where you go, I can't even imagine a situation of having one or two hours a week to focus on this stuff. And I'm not talking about doing a whole day on implementing on the business improvements. That would be glorious. But half a day consistently over a year is game changing. Like that, that is that is a huge amount of uh, stuff you're going to be building. Um, so you know, to find an extra one or two hours a week is probably not that hard. It just requires some fresh eyes and for you to step back from the doing and the grind and to go, hold on a sec, do I need to be doing this? Could someone else be doing this? And you know, it's probably a good point just about implementing in general that um, I see a lot of the time people get stuck on bits of the implementation that there is someone out there, you know, because it's their weakness and then there's someone out there who it's their absolute strength. And the amount of times I've been able to unstuck a project of my own by just going onto Fiverr and finding someone who does one little bit of the process that then means I can do the rest. It's like, why didn't I think of this earlier? So, yeah, stepping back and really ruthlessly going, I'm only going to do the things that I absolutely am the best person to do, both holistically in terms of looking at your week, but also at the micro project level, that's a really important step to implementing. Oh, that absolutely resonates. I was I was just speaking to a, a planner this week um, who wants to start her own podcast and and the same thing I was just saying, look, you know, yes, you can edit them yourself, but oh, why would you? Why would you? Mm. You can get somebody else to do it and you can, mm. you can do the, the part that really lights you up, which is the interviewing part. So yeah, it's absolutely right. You know, stepping back and going, you know, I can, I can do all these 10 moving parts, but why would I, why should I do it? Yes. And, you know, there's a very high chance that there are things you're doing in your business, that there are people in your team who, who would do it way easier and better because it's more of a natural skill for them. But I don't think there's a problem with skill across the industry. I think there is a problem with leaders not letting go of things and letting people explore their skill and letting other people in the team rise to the occasion and actually prove to themselves and to the business that they're capable of more than they think they are. So, you know, unless you try these things and give people a shot, how do you know whether they can do it or not? Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, uh, Michael, we talked about the idea of, you know, spending time on your business. Now, you're a business coach and it's very much similar to the idea of, um, well, you know, you work with clients the same way a financial planner works with clients. Tell us about Mm. your process um, and your diary. is, Is that what you do? Yeah, this has been a really, really big focus for me um, over the last six months. Um, I All of the things that I've spoken about in this podcast are things that I've struggled with personally and have had to overcome. 
Um, my process, uh, and this was introduced to me by uh, a previous business coach, and it's something that I've really started to nail is the idea of an ideal week, uh, theming different times of the week for different things. So in my case, I do Tuesdays and Thursdays in meetings. So if anyone's trying to book a meeting with me and you wonder why they're the only times available, that's because that is my dedicated meeting time. Then Wednesdays for me is doing the kind of doing the client work. Often that involves like deep thinking and getting in a certain zone. And if I'm in and out of meetings, I don't get to get into those creative zones. Um, but Monday is dedicated for me to work on my business, uh, whether that is all of the stuff we're talking about here, like, you know, how do I work out what's important to me and how do I build the bits to implement improvements to human to human, um, but also writing articles and things like that, which, you know, recording videos, stuff that I really want to do. And I know that if I leave it till the end of the week, I'm going to find an excuse not to do. Friday is a combination of doing the client work as well. Cause you know, often you've got your meetings on the Tuesday and then there's going to be stuff on the Wednesday, same with the Thursday, but I also leave half a day on Friday to do whatever I want to do. And so sometimes that's a case of, cool, I got a workshop coming up next week. I need to get ready for that. Or it could be a case of, I've just had an idea for an article. I want to do that as well. Um, I'll tell you that I've had this idea and this structure for probably a year and I never implemented it. The two biggest changes that I made, and it's very relevant to this discussion. The first is I set up my calendly so people could only book in on Tuesday and Thursday. So I had this ideal week, like, oh, I just would love the idea of people booking on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then as soon as uh, Fraser Jack goes, mate, can we catch up to do this podcast, which we're recording on a Thursday? Um, I would go, yeah, mate, oh, I'm free Wednesday, Arvo. And then Wednesday, Arvo go, that's right. I'm not supposed to be doing stuff on Wednesday, doing meetings on Wednesdays. So having Calendly kind of enforce that and be stricter and more accountable to the system than I would be was important. But I also have an operations manager, Katie, who is responsible for managing my diary. And that was painful, mate, like to let go of that and let someone else do that was really um, scary for me, but it's just been an absolute no brainer and a game changer. So I think, you know, this is where we come into accountability, like having other people around you who their goal is your goal. It's pretty powerful because you don't have to hold on to it and manage it. Someone else is going to help you do that. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it that you put your money where your mouth is and you've actually, like you said, struggled with this implemented it and it's the implementation that's made the difference. I think uh, yeah, that's a, it's a really good story in itself. Uh, now, Michael, if somebody wants to continue the conversation with you and, and chat to you maybe on a Tuesday or a Thursday, uh, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? Um, so just go to my website, humantohuman.com.au. There's actually a button there where you can book an appointment straight into the diary. Uh, if we're not connected on LinkedIn, I love sharing ideas on there. And I also love seeing other people in the industry's ideas. So I uh, would love to connect with you on LinkedIn if we're not connected already. Uh, and yeah, I say, you know, m most of the work that I do is one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, over the next few months, I'm going to be launching group-based programs to work on this type of stuff around business planning, but also um, to help businesses improve their client experience in more of a, a bootcamp style structure. So if you're interested in that as well, uh, reach out through the website. There'll be a call to action on the website to do that. Um, and I'll make sure you get the details as soon as they're launched. Yeah, I think group coaching is a really great thing. We've always learned really well through peer groups. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, a facilitator obviously has great, great ideas and great opinions. Um, but sometimes the, the real goal comes from within the group as well and what people have tried, what they've failed, you know, used and failed, what they've used and worked, all those types of conversations and the relationships that come out of them are amazing. Yeah, I, um, I remember talking to you about this a few weeks ago. And I called it the one minute mile and you corrected me and said it was the four minute mile. Um, but that concept of you think something's not possible until you see that it is possible and then mentally you accept that it is possible and then all of a sudden you start achieving it. So for those of you who don't know, the four minute mile had never been broken before. It was broken by, do you know the guy's name, Fraser? Uh, no, I don't remember the guy's name. But, Let's uh, say it was Fraser Jack. I remember um, so, <laughs> the, glass, the glass ceiling was broken. Uh, the, That's right. And as soon as as soon as that one person did it, there was like a, a, a whole line of people who broke it 
in the months after that. So it wasn't a fit. Everyone until then thought it was a physical barrier, but they realized it was actually just a mental barrier for a lot of people. I'll give you a really crap stat though. I know the guy that the first guy that ran a hundred sub four minute miles was name was John Walker. John Walker. There you go. Well, <laughs> Why I, why I think that's relevant to group-based coaching um, is that uh, often when you see other people around you implementing things that you're making excuses for not being able to implement or that you want to do, but in your mind, you're like, does this stuff actually work? As soon as you see that it does work, you won't believe how much more motivation it gives you to implement. So something that slows down people on implementation is deep down this faith that, you know what, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. Am I going to spend all this time doing video in my business and it's going to be a complete waste of time and money and I'm just, you know, may as well do something else. If you see someone in your peer group who is nailing video and getting leads and their clients are raving, all of a sudden you've removed that barrier to doing it, which was, I'm not sure if this is going to work. And you've got a lot more focus and, and energy towards achieving it. So yeah, I think there's um, I think there's a lot to be said by surrounding yourself with people who have either achieved what you want to achieve, so you know it's possible, or are on a similar journey to you and can, you know, not just push you but pull you towards what you want to achieve as well. Wonderful, well said, Michael. Now we might leave this one there, but like, let's get you back on as uh, as often as we can because I really, really love these catch ups and conversations, and you always add so much value. Thank you very much, Fraser. I really enjoyed the chat. Well, there you have it, another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. Uh, I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Welcome, Emily. Hey, Fraser. How are you? Tremendous. Thank you for asking. Now, this is the part of the podcast where we do a quick shout-out. So uh, so who, who, who do you think we should shout-out to today? Oh, all right. Today, I want to give a big shout-out to XY legend and advisor Ben Nielsen. He jumped on, recorded a Loom video, and did a screen share to walk the rest of the community through exactly how he's doing his letter of engagement within his business. It was a real look under the bonnet, a behind the scenes uh, insight into how he's doing it uh, with the hope that there'll be some gold nuggets in there that other advisors can take and use as inspiration or be able to weave that into how they're doing their process. Um, I should also give a little shout out uh, to Michael Curry. Adam Woodhouse, Sophie McClelland, Mark Radigan, and Peter Campbell, who Ben had given a shout out to to say, you guys all helped create this. So thanks guys, team effort, and super great to be able to share that with the rest of the community for a good old dose of advisor to advisor learning. Wow, don't you love it when a plan comes together? Don't you love it when people just share little bits and to be able to put together and share on shares? Well done, Ben, good on you, mate. Thanks for uh, thanks for being involved in that and, and also, so that's still on the main platform where people can find it? Yeah, yeah. So you can jump onto the main wall. It's under the practice management topic. Uh, you can jump in, play that video, and um, yeah, take all the value. Oh, I love it. I love a good community when it works well together. So thanks, guys. Uh, we will see you in the next episode of the XY Advisor podcast. Mm-hmm.